Hello and welcome to the Movies and Mixtapes podcast with me, Molly Mo, and the enigmatic and bold Matt Walters. This week's wow. episode follows one from Horror Week, where I watched one of Matt's favourite horror films, the 1978 version of Halloween. And this week, I have the next to impossible task of finding a horror film that Matt hasn't seen before. But we still managed it. We did. <laughs> so this week, as well as having an iconic cast from Johnny Depp, Christina Ricci, Christopher Walken and Christopher Lee, and oddly enough, a lot of cast members from the Harry Potter films, yeah. this film brings the world of classic horror into the realm of Tim Burton's undeniably gothic and ridiculous style. To kick off the questions, uh, firstly, I need to know how many stars do you give this film out of five? How many stars? Damn. Well, I've been thinking about this, and like we usual, it's between two. So I, it took me like a good hour to log it on Letterboxd, like whilst like doing other stuff. I was like, I couldn't, I didn't know what to rate it. It's, it's definitely between a three and a half and a four for me. And I think I'm going to land on four just because I can't really fault it. Ooh, okay. I, yeah, I, I, it might change. Like, I'm still up in the air with it. I mean, likewise with Halloween, you and I watched this together over Skype. And yeah. I think we were mainly on the same wavelength for a lot of it, you know, besides the whole technical difficulties we, we had during it. But, oh, goodness. This week we have had uh, quite the mad. But yeah, I, <laughs> I loved a lot about it. Like, um, Tim Burton really knows how to put a film together. I, he really excels in atmospheres and this film is no exception like the gothic aesthetic in this movie is absolutely fucking beautiful like we were talking about it like the the color grading is really nice to look at and it really has this great like kind of classical kind of style to it and like it feels like a lovecraft or like a brother's grim story it has that classic horror vibe it kind of carries this kind of old campsite horror story vibe to it and yeah, I really dig it. Like, they need to make more of these type of throwback horror-style films, because I love them. I was saying, like, like the sort of gothic touchstones I had for it were, like, I, I felt it was very Woman in Black, and it was very um, The Haunting of Hill House-ish, and, yeah, I just, I really, I really enjoyed it. So I think, yeah, probably like a, like a good four for me, I think. It could, could alter, but currently... For me, I think I gave it a three and a half out of five, on the basis of what it was as a film in general, but I think if you're going off rating it as a horror film or a gothic film, it's got to be up there with at least four. Yeah, I mean, I logged it as a three and a half originally, and then like, yeah, like I was, I was thinking that about it at work the next day, and I was like, no, nah, you know what, I'll change it to a four. Yeah, you know what, maybe I will do that on my letterbox <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to go back. But anyway, so just for the listeners' sake, if you haven't already watched this film, we well, I think we can both say we, we would recommend it. Um, but it follows the story of a doctor that visits a town that has been plagued by these mysterious murders uh, committed by this paranormal entity called the Headless Horseman who goes around lobbing people's heads off and then disappearing. Um, and then on top of that as well, we've got a sort of a love interest dynamic with uh, Christina Ritchie, which mm-hmm. I want to know your opinion on. So what did you think of that? Yeah, it was sweet. Uh, like, she's kind of, as I said, it's very classical horror story, like storytelling, and it kind of follows these kind of beats, almost, and she is very much the... what well, She's not as, as like, a damsel in distress so much, but she... Uh, she's definitely in the category of gothic heroine. 
she's something for Ichabod Crane's character to, to kind of bounce off. And like, I noticed that whilst this whilst this film, as I've already said, colors this uh, carries this beautiful like kind of color grading to it. She's always in white, like she's presented as the pure yeah. like kind of entity in the world, which is sweet. Like the only other like kind of color we get to the film is during the flashback scenes to his childhood. So I thought that was interesting, but in terms of them two, their 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 two's relationship, it's 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 nice. It's very it's very um, classic, but it's I find it a bit weird how I think I think more than a romantic interest, she represents just purity in it, and that's why she gets yeah. related to his mother in it. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll move on to the next question. So, what was your favorite scene? favorite scene well, so I really like the scene which is kind of exposition-y where they show you the history of the of the horseman and kind of how the myth started it's very exposition-y yeah. but again it ties into this very kind of you know classical storytelling devices so I, I was very forgiving of it because it, it just felt so classic and cool and yeah it's the, the scene which is kind of like a flashback of like the townsfolk telling him how the quote unquote, well they don't think it's a myth but it's how the quote-unquote myth started with uh, you know the battle scenes with with him yeah. when he was when you know when he had a head that was really cool. <laughs> like Christopher Walken in this film looks fucking terrifying like you know with ice right <laughs> yeah with his kind of ice frozen hair and his final down sharp. razor sharp teeth yeah genuinely terrifying like, like honestly, sin- he's less scary without the head to be honest yeah. I know this. You're gonna hate me for saying this because you said you love the the myth origin story aspect of it, but <laughs> no, I love that scene. But it made me think of in Twilight when they would do flashback scenes of how all of the vampires got created. <laughs> wow! It had that like milky glazed effect on it with that yeah, sort of that's like very like late nineties, early noughties, isn't it? Yeah, I, I it, really it just made me think of that. <laughs> which is silly but i mean it makes sense it was just it was just very cool the scene and uh yeah it was just very classic and i i i really loved it it was it's like it, as i said it was kind of like campfire tales and it just sound it just felt very classical yeah i agree i just um, oh, obviously the scenes i mean I, how can i not mention all the scenes where he's like kind of terrorizing the village picking them off one by one they they were awesome they were they, yeah. like, I, li- I, I live for those, like him, like choosing a new victim every night. Uh, yeah, I really infer death actually, where he's in the the horse cart and he looks up. Yeah. and the, the rider, the rider oh, has the no head on. Yeah. Yeah, so the opening scene was sick. It was yeah. a very cool, very cool ch- uh, choice to open it with. Yeah, <laughs> I loved all the, uh, I loved all the, the the scenes with him just kind of mercilessly like chasing down all the things because like Johnny Depp's character Ichabod Crane you're kind of thrust into this world and you're kind of drawn into it and its mysteries alongside him and yeah alongside uh, alongside alongside his characters like knowledge we're, we're we as the audience are drip fed the information about I think uh, that's a really clever plot device that horror it's super clever I mean, I loved the as much as like the horror nerd in me loved all you know the gory. I didn't expect, by the way, yeah, I didn't expect this film to be so gory. I don't know what I was expecting about a head, a film literally about beheading, but I, like, there's a lot of blood in it. There is a lot of. Blood. Whilst we're still on favorite scenes, loved that scene. First, come across his tree, and he's chopping down 
Yeah, so like red and blood is kind of like really standout-ish in this kind of muted colour palette that the film carries. And when he finds the, the tree in which the, the horseman emerges from every night, he kind of chops into it and his face is just splattered with, with blood. And like we find out that the tree where he comes out of has all the, the heads of the people he's killed in. And it is just, it's gross and it's brilliant. And I fucking loved it. I, I think that might be my favourite scene because I just think it's so hard to be original with horror and... I finally felt like I saw a glimpse of original horror with that uh, scene with Johnny Depp hacking away at the tree the, and the tree vines being like blood vessels. I just thought it was genius it was really and cool. so revolting and vile and unnerving. I loved it. Yeah. I also, this is like spark memories, even though we only watched this film like three days ago. Like, I also loved the kind of climax of the film where where he gets his head back and it's it's just it's kind of predictable like how it plays out but it yeah. is everything just comes together and it's it's in a, in like a kind of fairy tale ghost story way it's predictable so that like it's kind of good when he gets his revenge on you know the stepmother that's a really i'm a massive advocate for practical effects i think they're so cool and they're the kind of definition of creative creative talent and some of the practical effects in this film are awesome like when he puts his head back on it kind of regrows all of its blood vessels and skin into like it's eventually like crystal walking again and oh my gosh that i forgot about that that is so gross Uh, yeah (laughs) like literally when when uh when it happened in in the skype chat i just in block capitals typed to my like oh my god practical effects (laughs) you kind of made me remember that actually and that also i think the practical effects in this film are extraordinary because of the way that it contrasts the very black and white monochrome effect of the rest of the film it just makes the the practical effects and the blood and the gore so much more shocking yeah there's still like there's still an element of kind of whimsicality and Tim Burtonness, like you know the scene in the cave with her sister, the uh, the witch, quote unquote. Yeah. Where where her eyes like pop, her eyes and tongue pop out. Like that is the most Burton this film gets, and the most like kind of yeah, whimsical he allows it to get and camp. Yeah. Even that scene I, I, was kind of well done because it was like it had this creepy kind of gothic and um, moody atmosphere. So, yeah, like, I I just think that the combination of gothic, Johnny Depp, and Tim Burton, it's just. They are like the perfect little trio for film. They are. They're, they're good collaborators. I really enjoyed watching the film knowing that Tim Burton had directed it as well because I sort of had an... It had this air of... Even though it was a horror film and it was terrifying, it still had that sort of comedic, witty... Yeah, we were saying. Silliness. It kind of carries... Like, the film takes itself very seriously. Like, it, at, at its core, it is like a thriller. I wouldn't say it's... it's quite, Like, it's got elements of horror, but I think mainly I classify it as, like, kind of a chiller, I guess. It's, it takes itself very seriously from the, from the get-go, but because of, you know, the amazing lead protagonist and the prepared with this, you know, kind of famously um, kind of whimsical quirky, director. Okay. Yeah, quirky. Kind of quirky director. It, the film carries this very kind of off-kilter humour. Like, I was typing in the Skype chat when we were watching this, and I was like, 
is this scene supposed to be funny? Because Depp, with his weird like facial yeah. expressions, like just gives it an element of comedy. Uh, I loved it. Oh, I agree. I, I think the tone was set perfectly. So you need something to offset the horror. And I think Johnny Depp did that so perfectly that it kept you in the moment of horror. Okay, move on to the next question. I think this is probably the best question for th- this specific episode because the deaths in the in this film are so savage. Oh, yeah. What was your favourite death? This is this is gonna be a hard one. I mean, in a film full of beheadings and like cool death scenes, like how how could I possibly choose or even start? I loved the death scene of Richard Griffiths, you know, who plays Mister Dursley in Harry Potter. His deaths, like he's like perhaps the most kind of jittery and fearful of all the characters in Sleepy Hollow. Like he's he's fucking terrified of the of the headless horseman. Like he he is just on edge all the time. And he so after the burial scene of you know um, you know his little helper from Van Brunt. Yeah, uh, when when uh, after the burial scene of his 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 helper's dad. The, the horseman comes out of the blue and just you know completely decapitates him and his head like kind of rolls into Johnny Depp's lap who at this time hasn't really seen the horseman and like doesn't yeah. believe in him as such and it's so well done and it's very cinematic the way it plays out and his death scene is really cool yeah on top of that I really loved you know the so the the mum from Outnumbered is in it, and her family when yeah. when he rocks up and just takes care of her, like her family, damn. Oh my god, it's I I think that's that's the scene when I realised I know that this is obviously the bad guy, this is the villain of the film, but when he literally smashes the floorboards and pulls that little kid out of the floorboards and kills him, you're it's like, savage. oh my god, this guy is. He's, he is an actual murderer and he will so not he, stop. he breaks down the door with like two axes in his hands and he just goes to town. It's like, how do you stop something that's already dead, has no head, and it literally is a killing machine? Like, he wipes literally. down the dad, he wipes down the mum, and he steals the fucking kid. It's like, damn, chill, boy. Just chill out. Leave that kid under the floorboard. You didn't have to do that. But honestly, <laughs> I mean, you can't... I mean, decapitation, you can't really get much like call of the death city, can you? Like yeah, and I love the amount, the amount of detail that the film went into in regards to the decapitations because Johnny Depp's like, this is like a cauterized root wound, but there's no scorch mark. <laughs> it's like, like the baby oh, was on fire or something. Look, there's no, there's no burnt skin or anything, boys. And he gets out his, <laughs> oh, that's very Tim Burton, you know, where, where he gets out his medical medical equipment and he, he's got these massive. In- massive eyes due to like the glasses and the monocles he's wearing it's like that is the yeah, most that, inverted thing in the world that like that's very, very Willy Wonka isn't it like his adaptation I was about to say it reminded me of uh, John and Willy Wonka it is interesting though that I feel like Tim Burton just sees the he sees what Johnny Depp can do and he just lets him go for it and I think it works so well yeah it's a it's a cool it's yeah. it's almost on par as oh, no, it, it, well, I know it I think it is better but him and him and Keaton also have that kind of relationship. He obviously cast him as Batman, but he's obviously, you know, Beetlejuice, which is amazing. Yeah. But he yeah. he's he's on that he's definitely on that same wavelength with Johnny Depp and that he sees his versatility. Yeah, I I I love seeing that in an actor. Okay, we'll move on to the next question. Um favorite performance/actress slash or actor in the film. 
yeah, like, I mean, when the opening credits rolled, one of the first things we said on Skype to each other was like, damn, this, this film has a hell of a fucking supporting cast. Like, outside of Johnny Depp and Christina Ricci, like, the, the cast is amazing. Like, I didn't know, like, I didn't really, like, look into, obviously this film's been on my watch list for quite a while, but I didn't really look into the cast and, like, holy crap, like, it's got a great cast. Like, Michael Gambon's in it, for fuck's sake. Like, one of the best actors of our time. Uh, Christopher Lee's in it, which made me really happy. He's not in that it for made- a long yeah, he's only got it's one cameo. I was like, it's literally Dracula. Oh. I was like, I was like, ah, it's Christopher Lee. Um, but, um, yeah, Ian McDermott's in it, which I literally just found out about three seconds before this podcast because I googled it and I was like, what? Palpatine's in it. Like, I love him, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Skinner, Richard Griffiths. Um, yeah, it's got a great cast, but obviously. I'd have to say that Johnny Depp's my favourite. He's just so good in it, and he's he does he does what he needs to do, and he he brings, as we've already said, this kind of versatility to the role in in the fact that he can be completely, you know, over dramatic and kind of campy at, at the same time as being serious and kind of comedic. He's just he's there's a reason why he's one of the most celebrated actors of all time, I think. And yeah. It's no exception in this film. He he does have range. Like uh, he's very overdramatic in it. Like me and you were talking a lot a lot about how we love his like facial expressions in it. Yeah, yeah it's so, got to be Johnny Depp for me. Yeah, it's got to be Johnny Depp. As I was saying, Sorry. I I adore Michael Gambon. And when I was saying my favorite scene is the the kind of myth scene, it's it's in part due to the fact that Michael Gambon narrates it. And if he does like, if he does podcasts and or like audiobooks, like sign me the fuck up. I will listen to that. That man has a great voice. <laughs> it's like your voice on on podcasts. You've just got a great voice for a podcast. Don't flatter me. <laughs> right, I'm going to move on to the genre specific question, which changes every week depending on what specific films that we're watching. This is the only week. one we can't like semi prepare for. So. Yeah, so this one's going to get you out of nowhere. Who would you have alternatively had as the antagonist, which is played by Lady Ooh. Von Tussle, uh, the stepmother who is at the end revealed as an evil crone slash witch, which summons the uh, headless horseman? And how would you have incorporated a paranormal element to it? So would you have made it a ghost or a werewolf, a vampire, depending on the character that you play? Yeah. That is a good question, though. Am I allowed to pick, like, actresses? I don't know. I think uh, someone who's already amazing in those roles is... Um, uh, yeah, somebody who's already amazing in, the, in like, those kind of semi-evil roles is Kate Blanchett. Like, she, she can oh, be bad yeah. if she wants to. Like, she could have been awesome in that. Yeah. But... But if you're going to go on the film... Pick a different character to be the surprise baddie. Who would you have picked out of the film? Oh, I don't know, you know. Maybe, like, to bring it full circle, like, maybe Christopher Lee, even though he's, like, a judge in London and, like, nowhere near it. Like, that could have been I fun. That, that uh, could have been fun. I think it would have been too predictable to be Christina Ricci's character. Michael Gambon's character is obviously set up in the film by Johnny Depp, and that's why Christina Ricci gets a bit sour towards Johnny Depp's character. Oh, yeah. What would have been completely out of the blue if it was the little boy? Yeah, the one who's that would have been, uh, both that would have been mad. And yeah, that would have been really like sly, like killing his dad to like trying to trying to get the blame off him. That would have been. 
Well, that would be really interesting to see different character dynamics because although I do think that um, it's kind of semi-predictable that it was the evil stepmother, obviously, it kind of plays into the whole, you know, classic ghost story vibes and fairy tale narrative. Yeah, definitely. It works very well with a gothic narrative. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think the I think the boy would have been a good shout. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And I, I think I, because it's Tim Burton, I probably would have said oh, Helena Bonham Carter. Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. She would have been amazing in that. I mean, I, I love her in probably, literally everything, but yeah, I think it probably would have been too obvious. It would have been start. too, too Burton, too Burton. Yeah, it was too obvious <laughs> that she was the bad guy if she was playing the stepmother. Maybe. Yeah. So we'll go on to the next question. How would you question. sort of similar to? the genre specific question but how would you have directed it differently yeah that's a hard one because the only thing I can kind of criticise for the film as I said is that it's like you know semi predictable with the evil stepmother being the one behind it all and it, as it plays into yeah. quite a normal and safe climax but even even then you can attribute that to it being a take on a very classic story uh, which isn't really fair because if you get rid of all that kind of predictableness uh, the film would lose what makes it so good which is its style and kind of aesthetic and stuff like that so I don't I don't really know what I would have changed like I would have just made it longer really like I, I couldn't really get enough of like all the all the villagers getting picked off one by one I call me a sadist yeah, but I, I fucking love that shit the headings. <laughs> yeah I, uh, I just I love yeah. that <laughs> I like that so basically, Tim Burton, his only problem is that he just doesn't make films long enough for us. See, yeah, well, Tim Tim Burton's worlds are so so. Even though like the film is is based off uh, you know the classic like gothic story by Washington Irving, an American author, Tim Burton's like filmic worlds are very you know realized, and he makes them his own. Like you can see that in anything from something like you know Edward Scissorhands to to like Beetlejuice, and even his like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Um, yeah. Like he's he like he he makes the films his own, and he's very he, like that's why people love his films because he's got a very set aesthetic. Well, he just like, creates very entrancing worlds. Like however however long the film is, you are just in that world. And Tim Burton's got this very specific style, which is very unique and very his own. So like I don't know, I feel like I I wouldn't change anything about any of Tim Burton's films just because they're such you know mind babies of his own. That like anything, you can't you can't really criticize him because he's you know that he's working to the peak of his imagination. So even if you don't agree with it, you can respect it. And I yeah yeah I don't think I would have changed anything. Oh, I like that. I think it's the best possible version of the film it could be. What did you think of the score in this film, Matt? Yeah, I really liked it. Obviously, um, another you know, massive collaborator with Tim Burton. We talked about how Johnny Depp works with him a lot. We talked about how Michael Keaton and, and Helen the Bonham work with him a lot, but we, we negated the fact that his longtime collaborator of Danny Elfman, who scores pretty much everything he's done, I think, very yeah. famous composer. But yeah, it's uh, the Sleepy Hollow score from him is quite subdued, I found. I mean, when I say subdued, I mean in relation to his, his, his other work, like in Beetlejuice and etc. His other work, like the Sleepy Hollow score is quite, when I say subdued, I don't really mean it. It's, it's, it's still quite bombastic and like, you know, heavy orchestra. But I mean, for Elfman, it's not as whimsical and, you know, like not silly, but kind of like fairy tale esque at all. Yeah. Really. 
but I really enjoyed it. Like it's very subtle in parts, but uh, it as an Elfman score, you can't ignore it, and it is very in your face at times, and it really heightens the tension and emotion of most scenes. So, although it was for an Elfman score, very in the background, I thought it was a I thought it was a, it was a cool score. Yeah, I did too, and I think the a good sign of a good score is that it works so well with the actual plot that you don't really even notice it's there because it just fits so exactly perfectly. it kind of kind of slots in and becomes semi invisible yeah it becomes almost like a background character it's like a bass guitar in a band you can barely exactly, hear it but you know yeah, you know what it adds you know yes. you know how drastically different it would be without it yeah and it certainly sets a tone and a rhythm and uh, an and a feeling to the film. Hundred percent. I think. Well, I think we've both established that we would definitely recommend this film. Hundred um, percent. Would you recommend it to everyone, or yeah. would you just? I mean, even people who don't really like horror, like it's not particularly terrifying. It's not scary. It's got this really nice, as as I've said, literally a hundred times in this podcast. It's got this really nice kind of old school, like kind of. Camp, camp story film. I think even people who don't really like horror would like it. Like it's in the same realm as like, that's why I classify it as like a chiller. Like it's more of a horror thriller leading more towards like a, a thriller than a horror. Like it's cause it's cause it has those murder mystery yeah. elements. So yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I think that. most people would be hard pressed to not at least enjoy elements of it. So yeah, very Definitely. much. Okay, well, we're going to, well, to wrap up the episode, but the last question is over to you, Matt. So what is the theme for next week and what is the Uh, film that you've got for me next week? Okay, so we're finally off retro horror, as much as I am sad to kind of say. Uh, We kind of collectively decided that next week is kind of the polar opposite to horror and fear. It's romantic films and it's love. Um, And (laughs) film... I really want to show you, Molly, is a film called Before Sunrise, which was directed in 1995 by my boy Richard Linklater. Like, literally every film I've given you so far, in my eyes, has been a five, and this is also a five. I'm ready to be blown away. Yeah, as I said to you, so I lent Molly a book. I bought her a book when she went travelling called One Day, and it's a very romantic story about how two people meet up and over the course of their life... Kind of, it's it's basically set over twenty years, and this I before sunrise I described Molly as the kind of movie equivalent of a book like that. So it's about two people who meet on a train going to Vienna, and they kind of flirt on the train and create like a, a little connection. And she she is getting off in Vienna, and he's uh, you know returning somewhere else that is past that and he decides to get off and they spend the whole day in Vienna together and it's just a great film about it's it's a very beautiful character piece and I think you're gonna love it like I, I can't wait to show it to you I think it's, it's a really sweet film and it's so beautifully crafted and yeah the, the only word I could yeah. use to describe it is beautiful like it is it is just a lovely lovely film I'm really really looking forward to watching this film it's got Ethan Hawke in it and yeah, so Julie Julie Delphi who is Julie Delphi. A very, very sexy French woman 
I think she might be Austrian, maybe. But um, they're, they're, they're great in it. And it just, obviously, Richard Linklater is a very adept director. Like, he's very famous. He did one of my favorites, School of Rock. He did um, Boyhood. He did Dazed and Confused. This film is a real masterclass of, you know, how he operates. Like, not only does it look beautiful, like, the cinematography is gorgeous, but this film's really just really amazing with its dialogue it feels really natural and it feels almost like you're intruding on these two characters lives because it feels so normal oh wow um, okay i, uh, I yeah. know for a fact you're gonna love it i love that we're bouncing from retro horror to romance yeah because that's how we play in it well um <laughs> yeah thank you to everybody for listening i guess yeah thank you very much thanks for listening everyone bye bye <laughs>